Welcome to Belt the Loda, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Sci-Fi. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here to do a Season 3 preview podcast. Uh, this is our first podcast for the show. We don't have coverage of Seasons 1 or 2, so if you're looking for it, sorry. Um, I don't know if a rewatch is going to be in our future, but we will cross that bridge when we get to also, it. Also, not entirely true. We did do like an every other week kind of recap of Season yeah. 2, which I will include that coverage as a link to, uh, to it in our show notes. So if you want to mm-hmm. get what... Me and Jim and Levi, our buddy from uh, Seattle, thought about it on a week-to-week or every other week basis, so you can kind of check in there. And I think we also did, like, maybe a wrap-up of Season 1 or maybe previous Season 2. Yeah, it's just so sparse, I don't even... Like, we're not going to throw it in this feed. It's not going to be a thing, really. But if you want to look for it, it's out there. Some basic thoughts on those seasons. Uh, So... First up news is we are doing a full podcast. This yeah. is going to be once a week. Uh, usually, uh, uh, this this drops on Wednesday, does it not? Yeah, I think so. So we'll probably have a podcast out on Friday about it. Um, you know, to give you something to chew on over the weekend. Uh, we'll be taking feedback at expanse at baldmove dot com because uh, you know God knows if we just went with Beltaloda. How many different way, ways people would find to spell that without oh, looking at it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. We uh, let's talk about our history of this uh, as a show, mm-hmm. and maybe the 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 books too, because we've. I think you were the pioneer on this. You happened to get a wild hair, and you watched season one, maybe before season two came out, or maybe you watched it at the same time. I, I want to say maybe it was on Netflix, or or I saw it on Amazon Prime, yeah. and was like, oh, I'll check it out. It looks like a cool sci-fi, and I've heard good things, but. I remember when we were at the Walker Stalker Con Georgia in one of its first years, I was talking to Chad Coleman, and he was really excited about this expansion. He's like, yeah, I really get to play like this really powerful political figure with a tragic past. I'm really excited. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that? That sounds cool. Where is it going to be on? He goes, it's going to be on sci-fi. I'm Uh like, god damn it, Chad. (laughs) Uh, what are you doing, man? Yeah, because I'm like, this seems amazing. He's like, sci-fi. But you know what? This is a really, really good high, hard science fiction uh, sci-fi show. I heard, sci- mm-hmm. I, I heard sci-fi, and I assumed, you know, like they haven't had a really serious show since Battlestar. Right. And I have a checkered kind of pass with that even. So <laughs> okay. I was not prepared for this to be as good as it So I stay. I, I missed the entire first season. Mm-hmm. Uh Obviously, I've since watched it. Yeah, I think I came in and said, "Hey, you should probably check this out because it's really, really good." Well, you guy had the all. I, I think you were you, you were weirdly hesitant to recommend it to me because he thought I would hate it for some reason. Well, because I there are a couple characters that I don't like yeah. in the show, and I thought maybe the characters might drive you away because right. they're very. They're, some of them are almost caricatures, right? Um, but. I don't know. Some of those characters are also my favorite. Like when you look at Miller, mm-hmm. he's kind of just this neo noir mm-hmm. caricature he's of got a detective. Funny hair. But, he's got funny clothes. But the show is so self aware about that stuff that yeah. it makes me get on board and actually like that character a lot. Yeah, because he's kind of ridiculous in the face of knowing he's ridiculous. Right, right. Which is fine by me. Um, but no, I. I'm surprised that this show has not gotten more play because it seems yeah. like people are hungry for hard science fiction series. It seems like like we're going through like a mini golden age of science fiction with, uh, you know, we've got uh, Star Trek's come back. We've had mm-hmm. uh, Altered Carbon drop this year. The Expanse has been clocking in hard sci-fi goodness for a couple of years. There's uh, been a lot of stuff like humans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Netflix has done like 15 different sci-fi shows. Travelers. Black Mirror treads a lot of uh, science fiction ground. So I'm and I'm I'm kind of loving it. And what I like about this show is it's very much space Game of Thrones Uh because, yes, there's a lot of hard science fiction. Yes, there's a lot of ship to ship combat. Yes, there's even alien technology and goofy stuff. But at the core, the most exciting thing about this show is the tense political reality of 24th century human life where you've got 
you know, uh, 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 Earth, uh, our, our home Earth is dominated by the United Nations, who also has control over the asteroid belt. But then Mars, who has recently broke free from the mother planets and is its own sovereign state. And they're always at this perpetual Cold War. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Mars is very fragile. They're trying to terraform the planet, but they're still stuck largely under domes. And it's a very tough frontier Everything sacrificed for the community existence, seeing Earth as this decadent, out of touch, you know, doesn't appreciate the fact that they can walk outside of that spacesuits, and then the mm-hmm. belt that gets squeezed between the both. Yeah. And it's really, really fascinating. The world building, the culture, um, it all feels so expansive and yet effortless, too. Um, and I like that the characters all have different um, viewpoints on, yeah. on the the tension that's carrying out here yeah. that's playing out um like holden very much wants none of it right um, whereas you look at like christian and she is very much in it and she sees the purpose of it and she yeah. uses the tools that she has um plays the game in yeah. order to get to some kind of compromise between like what the people want and what society wants and what that is pushing forward yeah you know it's it, it's weird um and that's the- I, I don't always agree with everything that even the good guys are doing you? because they're all even the good guys are coming at it from different sides. That's why I said like of the main cast and main POV characters, you've got like Earth Firsters, right? You've got uh, Wavy. We should find all way to get along. You've got a Martian hardliner. You've got a uh-huh. fuck everybody Belter. You've got maybe the Belter should unite and and come to the table. Like there's so many political factions and representations and viewpoints. Mm-hmm. It's it's Even amazing. on the, the good guy side, that's what right, I love that's what about I'm, it. Yeah, these are all... Like, I don't agree with all of them, because I can't agree with all of them, yeah. but that makes it so fascinating. Yeah, no, I I, I, I find that stuff uh, amazing as well. The thing, in fact, the only reservation I have in a series is the fact that it seems like the plot that I'm very interested in, this political thriller and intrigue between the, the three different interconnected systems, is it's always getting waylaid by this dopey protomolecule business <laughs> where this alien piece of technology that uh-huh. is genetically modified manipulated super soldier terraforming magic particle that i think is fundamentally less interesting than uh than, than what the, everything else is going on but i've started appreciating se- se- season two that it is kind of an excuse to have like a real direct analog to the cold war because this is a super mm-hmm. weapon that you know kind of supersedes an arms race that has been going on and now it's like you either have the the proto weapon the proto molecule or you don't um and at the end of season two everyone has a proto molecule right maybe mars doesn't yeah I, I think i have to bust out the very first mildly interesting here because um in the off season i went and read ah, yes. the first three books yes. um which I would say that the series so far, the TV series, is like most of the way through the second book mm-hmm. uh, as far as its plot. And it's weird, too, because it introduces a lot of concepts that aren't introduced until the third book. Mm. Uh, but it has already kind of shown us the, the beginnings of that. So which book? But I would uh, say, you're, 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 where, where are you in the series now? I just finished the third book. Okay. So you're like maybe a season, season and a half ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but it's, yeah, it's weird. The The... I, I'm curious to see, because we, we got into Game of Thrones, right? And uh-huh. we saw all of the sort of remixes that they did and the shortcuts that they took Be, wait, to kind of get... Before we start talking about the books, I want to want to tell people our, our spoiler policy, since you this might be the first time you've heard a Bald Move podcast, is even oh, yeah. though Jim has read the books, we are a show-first podcast. So we mm-hmm. if we talk about spoilers from the books, it will be at the very end of the podcast and exclusively spoiler marked area that 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 we can discuss i'm not sure if that's what we'll do but like you are not going to drop right i I will say for instance like the the books wait much later to introduce the idea of this slingshot club which we saw in like season one right of the show but i would never say like oh the show hasn't introduced this thing that we see in book four right or it looks like they're going towards the the you know uh, Martian Enema plan from book seven, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, Although, you spoiler alert. Shit! Yeah. Well, see, sometimes... Martian Enemas are a big part of book sometimes seven. Sometimes blind Martian squirrels can find some of those juicy Martian nuts. 
Uh, uh, so yeah, just now go, that'll we've. I just wanted to let you know that you, you don't have to be like, oh my god, is he going to spoil something? We're just, we're just talking here, right? No, I'm interested to see how they kind of streamline the show. You Do know? you think that the reason there? Because because I imagine this book guy, he's you know he writes this stuff organically, like yeah, he comes up with just enough stuff to tell a story, and then things keep getting added and. Then he gets probably corrections on his science, and, t- and he keeps rolling that in. Do these things that they have pulled from later books and introduced earlier in the seasons? Does it feel like because we can see where the the that the, they can see better where the author is going that it it makes more sense to introduce this? Or I think so. Yeah, um, I would say some of the stuff like the Slingshot Club kind of comes out of nowhere for me okay. in the books. The Slingshot Club. Yeah. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah. So in season one, early on, Miller's looking around for Julie, right? Uh-huh. And he goes to this place looking for Busy Batico, uh-huh. uh, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, and he finds out, oh, that guy is part of a Slingshot Club, which the idea is like these guys get into ships and they try to plot a course. It's essentially like a Kessel Run. Uh-huh. They try and plot a course slingshotting around all the planets of the system right. and then co- going real far out and coming back uh-huh. and doing it without thrust. So I they're see. like, they're trying to get the best, the fastest, it, coolest it, it, run. So it's, it's like a bigger, grander version of what Alex pulled to avoid the all the Ganymede patrols exactly, around yeah. Jupiter. Yeah. Like he's just doing an elaborate. So that's just that that takes it to the system level instead of the planetary level. Yeah, and they do it for sport. Ah. Um, and then they bet on it and stuff. And you see all of that in season one. Cool. Um, but that concept isn't introduced till book three, as right. far as I remember. Interesting. Uh, and, and I also wanted to talk. Uh, a little bit about like the the proto molecule because I I think I can without spoiling anything assuage uh-huh. your fears that they are using the proto molecule as a way to drive the tension between the groups the factions uh-huh. in the show the political factions which I think works much better than trying to make it some like overarching threat hmm. uh, and, and there may still be some of that like I said I'm only three books in so okay. there, there could be a lot. A lot of threat coming from the proto-molecule, but basically they're using it so far to drive political tension. How closely to the books has the show cleaved to so far, would you say? Oh, exactly. Really? Exactly, So it's yeah. like a Game of Thrones situation I mean, where season the one first is season almost, was the first book. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. It's almost beat for beat the first book with right. minor exception like the Slingshot Club and stuff. Uh, so in terms of like who's lived and who's died, it's pretty, pretty close. Uh-huh. So, okay. Interesting. Uh... What's your opinion on whether the crew of the Arborgast died? Because I, I just watched the last five Remind episodes me, over this weekend. That's the Adam Savage ship that descends oh. into the Venetian atmosphere and, and gets the, radically deconstructed. I mean, I have to imagine that would kill a person. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, but then I, I look at like Julie, right? Like, well, I what, mean, what the hell happened to her? I, I'm trying to think what the producers showed us because what they showed us is the crew descending the Venus. Suddenly, they get held in like a an unknown mm. alien force before they hit the ground. They're very confused. The proto molecule shimmers invade the ship. Yeah, which I would think that like they are now all impregnated with the protovirus, and then the ship radically deconstructs. So like, right. is the character of that captain or the you know the the uh, Christian scientist friend are they actually still alive as you would recognize them? No, probably not. But have has their biological and technological distinctiveness been added to the proto molecules? <laughs> right. Yeah, and That's I, a good I guess. Question. That's the other thing is when we saw Julie for the last time, Julie, mm-hmm. is it Julie or Julia? Julie, Julie or Julia. Now, yeah. um, she was still recognizably an entity, which I would call Julie. Yeah. But she was also much more than that. And like now that her and uh, Miller have slammed onto the surface of Venus, is there any, like, <laughs> that's one of the big questions I have for season three is any of their humanity left in them same with right. the children that are the project of that project caliban like is there is is the proto molecule remap them and they're just become essentially space zombies that are just looking for radiation mm-hmm. or can they be can they be reasoned with um i'll say mostly mildly interesting but i'm also looking for the definitive answers to those questions okay um and that's something i hope they get into 
this season. That's the other thing. If uh, we use the term mildly interesting to like, if someone knows <laughs> right. to try to to try to avoid, like, because I'm going to speculate, right? Because I don't know sure. what's all outbound. So, like, and Jim can has you I'll know, feel like a real asshole if I try to speculate with you knowing the answer. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, just mildly is a, is a is a uh, neutral response to avoid saying whether someone's on the right track or not. Yeah, you just always say that to everything they say, and then you know, there's 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 no little oh oh you're getting really close you just say mild interesting move on um yeah we we use that for many many seasons over at game of thrones mm-hmm. uh until george martin just deci- decided to stop writing and got deprecated uh is this series finished or is it still being written no two more books left to be written oh shit there, there are going to be eventually we've be a, nine we've got another george Ex- martin except situation for james s.a Corey is writing at the pace of like a book a year is he okay yeah. Like, All he's right. just slamming these things out. Seven just came out recently. He's got eight and nine still left to write, but he'll finish So it's like them. a trilogy of trilogies, then. Is it structured yeah. that way? Like, the first three kind of belong together in a unit? And... I don't think so. Okay. I think it's just a I guess, how would you know you're, you just finished a third one? It didn't so. feel like a grand climax right. to a like this is trilogy. The, the, the third, this is the final act of Act One or anything no, like that. No, Okay. Really. Okay. Yeah, because, like, shit. If that was the case, man, things are going to get super crazy. <laughs> if this was just all the prologue for what's to come. But uh, the other thing I thought, if we just want to talk about the show broadly, is I was do I was reading a lot of like lore about the show, and like I found that um, in the twenty like the late twenty first century, essentially all of humanity came together to. Uh, kind of like 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 become a loose uh, like a, a federation of formerly sovereign states underneath the UN which is now like the over the whole planet. Mm-hmm. Which I know is a lot of people's dream today, it's also a lot of people's nightmare. Yeah. But that's what happens because the f- essentially delayed action the the climate change and all this caused a whole bunch of stuff to happen on earth and earth's governments were overwhelmed so they all united to kind of try to fix this stuff. And you can see like I, I think that the the credit sequence for the expanse is some of the coolest stuff. Like you can see man Manhattan flooding and then then building the flood walls and then yeah. you can and see expanding out to Mars right and belt. yeah and you can see late in season two how there's flood walls around all the cities right. and like mm-hmm. even the Statue of Liberty is standing in essentially a bucket because uh-huh. the seas have risen so much um, and there's a lot of like other kind of sociopolitical things too but I thought it was interesting is like Earth was essentially united under one banner for about a hundred years <laughs> until the Martians are like, fuck these Earthers. They don't know. They don't know what it's like to be a Martian yeah. and fought a war for their own independence and then spent the next like generation or two under constant threat that Earth was going to come and, you know, shake up their sand, their mm-hmm. ant, their ant farm. Um, I think that's super cool that like this theme of. Like, humanity finally getting their shit together and unifying, and then under that bulwark, like, being able to travel the stars, and then that also instantly breaking that unity. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you know, mankind saw it's like, oh, we're all on the same planet, we're all connected, whether we like it or not, all of our economies, we're breathing the same air, but now that's no longer different. Yeah, that, yeah and, that's not true. And, you know, like, I don't... I, What's the next step of human evolution that solves that problem? I guess if you terraform Mars and they don't... I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, that I mean, seems like a, a very question. real difference. Like, once, once you're not constrained by the atmosphere yeah. that you're in, then yeah. sure. Yeah, because that whole thing about, like, you know, the, what, I forget what astronaut, Apollo astronaut said, that like, you wish you could drag politicians like 100,000 miles from Earth and say, look yeah. at this, you son of a bitch. Well, you can't do that with Mars and Earth because no. they're totally different things. And then the belt has challenges of its own. So I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. And this trailer that i was watching for season three seems to be simultaneously about um separation and uh being alone like the crew of the rasanati finding themselves like isolated and not having a side they can turn to and essentially Mm -hmm. being like a one-man army and then uh christian's uh call in the trailer to like we need to put aside our differences as earthers and martians and belters and come together yeah uh yeah, I wonder. She's, she's so interesting from that regard because she's using this political game yeah. seemingly for altruistic purposes. It does as seem, best I can tell. It does seem like she is very earth first, but she has come to understand that there is no way to protect Earth without also ensuring that the needs of the Belters and Martians are met. Which mm-hmm. is a pretty enlightened yeah, yeah you can't And you, she's also willing to like 
to consolidate power in herself, which we typically view as a negative thing, in order to put forward those kind of ideals. Well, and I I think it's yeah, it's a weird means to the end that I like. No, Um, it's whereas I I'm kind of more on the boat of like Holden, you know, just like right throw all of the information out there let information be free right. let everyone know everything and just the chips like an anarchist libertarian type of but character. it's not quite as elegant you know yeah because you're it's right a crude approach we're to introduced it. to uh christians um that she's essentially the things we know about her is that she does she tortures people uh-huh. to get information out of them yeah because that's like how we first meet her she's torturing a belter with earth's own gravity which is a very cool concept and two she is essentially the one that runs the UN, but she's unelected. Yeah. She is like the, the highest rank you can be and still be unelected, but she essentially is the puppeteer for the whole thing. Both of those things I do not agree with at all. Uh-huh. And a lot of her uh, journey in the first season is kind of like seeing, uh, like, like I guess, finding the limits of what the, her power can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see... Uh, whether she continues that path of seeing that, like, we all have to get together and we all have to survive and exceed or none of us will, or whether that's a naked political gambit to seat her rival, which is seemingly like her only more so, mm-hmm. like a little, like, maybe he's uh, Earth. Right. Yeah, yeah. Earn right. Uh, he's like Earth first, period. That's where it ends. Uh-huh. Like, as long as Earth wins, fuck all these other people. Yeah, and he's also in bed with uh, Jules Pierre Mao, who... Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of was the guy behind researching the proto molecule yeah. and all that stuff. So he's your standard like capitalist thug character. Yeah, he's looking for better weapons. He's looking yep. for power and money. And doesn't care who he sells it to. Gain. Like he yeah. seems like utterly does not care about like he'll sell to anyone that has the cash. Yep. Uh, in fact, that's like the big I guess central pr- uh, intrigue for the first two seasons is. Who the fuck is behind the proto-molecule? Who's got their fingers in that pie? And the answer is everyone. Yeah, um, that's true. Or, or at least very small can compartmentalize factions in very high places of both the Martian and Earth government. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the the, depart- the the Minister of Defense for Mars and the Vice President of the World mm-hmm. ha- are both complicit in researching and trying to bid on this proto-molecule. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's... Uh, a pretty good foundation for where we're at. Uh, like I said, I'm looking in this thir- thir- this third season for things, I guess, if I would make a prediction, it's that Holden and his crew become probably more isolated and radicalized in their fight because even in, within their crew, there's, there's divisions. You've mm-hmm. got Amos, who's essentially a chaotic good. You've got Eric, who's... Or not Eric, Alex, who's maybe losing his mind uh, and and getting too close to the ship. You've got Naomi, who wants you know who gave the proto molecule to the Belters in the form of Fred Johnson, um, the leader of uh, Tashi Station, and then you've got Holden, who uh, I don't know. He's got a what would you, what would you say his worldview is? That everyone's uh, bad. Only the no. That uh, I think full full knowledge like he his idea is that everyone should have a say in how everything is run because he's seen the bad like he doesn't in order to do that everyone needs all of the same information and so he's not willing to like pass along or or let people play a political game he's going to step in and say no this is the truth here are the facts and you make up your own mind. Don't let the politics get in the way. Because he's seen it both. He's like, you know, like there's this uh, in season one, there's dichotomy about how do you see OPA, the uh, Outer Planets Alliance? Are they a terrorist organization or right. are they essentially a legitimate government that's trying to get the best deal for the people that they represent? And Holden's like, well, it's bullshit because they like like Earth and like like if if OPA is a terrorist organization and so is the Martian Confederation and so is uh-huh. the UN and if they're just if they're just politicians it's like it's it's there is no difference like there's no yeah. difference between Chinson and Don and and Dawes uh, who's the charismatic kind of leader of the more radical side I guess of the OPA mm-hmm. where Fred Johnson is the more conservative side the so Fred Johnson wants the belters to be strong and have a place at the table so they can have a say in decisions made whereas Dawes is almost like a, a yeah. belter supremacist I, I will say I know almost nothing about Dawes from the books right 
because he's a far bigger character in the show. Huh. Uh, which kind of surprised me reading the books. I kept looking for Dawes. Where's Dawes? Right. He's such a big part of the, the right. OPA stuff in the show. Um, so I'm really looking forward to how he plays into it because man, at the end of that second season, he's he's run off. He's on the lamb with it, right. with the with the, with the lead scientist, last, last surviving scientist to work it, on Protogen's protomolecule project. Right, seemingly who's had his, he has like all the power in his hands at this point. Yeah, who's had all of his empathy surgically removed. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I also have another technical question I want to ask you. Okay, which is. One thing I've thought through many, many times watching the show is why is the Rasanati uh, so fucking powerful? Because it's it's to my knowledge, it's one of the it's the smallest ship in either of the factions navy that has the Epstein drive, which is allows yeah. it to essentially go wherever it wants at whatever speed and it also is very heavily but it's a, it's a corvette right like so it's extremely well built because it's martian yeah because um, the martians are the technically technically sophisticated of right. the two they've got they are the ones invented epstein and, drive and they build in like redundancies right and, and they build with really solid materials and things right. like that so it's a formidable sh- ship just structurally right um and it's also as far as i can tell like a very heavily gun ships for its uh, size, ship, for its size. So yeah. is it like a? Is it like the so it's prototype not take of the next like generation? Frigate, but, okay, but it might take out like you know anything relative to its size. Because there's one there's one scene late in the second season where Holden, uh, who we affectionately refer to occasionally as Space John Snow, uh-huh. um, he he runs a blockade and escorts the civilian freighter through a blockade that's set up by both Earth and Mars as they're kind of like circling each other and distrustfully yeah. with each other. And he essentially says, don't open fire on us or we're going to lay waste to you. And I'm like... How the fuck does that work? Because he's, he's essentially got a very small gunboat, and presumably there are the frigates, and I think there's carriers because the Rasanati was essentially a detachable ship from a larger ship. Yeah, from the Donager. How does that? Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. How does that? How the fuck does that actually work? I don't know. Because that's I just feel like the Rasanati is like almost a super weapon. Yeah, but it's not clear to me why. It's yeah, a cool ship. I, I love it. I get you. I I don't really know the answer to that. I do love the ship combat. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say as I, I thought maybe we should open up like why should you care about the expanse if you don't? But like most of our I think our other coverage t- touched on that. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's the it's sci-fi's next BSG. Like you said, um, this is a show that is serious. Um, it's well made. Yep. They take a lot of care to mind the details. Like yeah the the gravity like the, let's talk about um kind of just the main concept of gravity in this uh-huh. show is treated with a lot of care like yeah. you'll have w- whenever a ship's engines are off mm-hmm. there is no gravity right um and once the ship goes under thrust again now you have like whatever 0.3 g or something enough to keep you on the ground yeah but but then there is also the concept of like doing high g burns uh-huh. and things like that and and they have this whole concept of the juice, which yeah. is essentially a cocktail of drugs and stimulants and stuff that you pump into your body when doing very high G burns right. to keep you alert. Right, and, and alive. And keep and, your body from, yeah, yeah, just destroying itself. Yeah, because that's the thing I don't think is immediately obvious is the Rasanati is not laid out like the Enterprise. Like right. when it's flying through space, it looks like a very cool and sleek spaceship, but you have to imagine it more like a a 12-story apartment building yeah that is that is being that is flying so like and it's thrust from below from below yeah. so everyone's is walking around like it's a small office building and it's it's deck plan instead of being like the enterprise where everything it is 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 like oriented or orient oriented laterally it's oriented yeah. horizontally so you know you got the top of the ship and on down and people are walking as if it is like this high rise building and the reason that works is because as you said the Epstein Drive constantly accelerates at one g, mm-hmm. which provides gravity and then when they're halfway to the point in getting where they want to go the ship actually flips ass over tea kettle yeah. and decelerates at one g. So you've got gravity all the time except for when you're actually doing the flipper if the engine's cut off. Yeah, um, which is a really you know solid I. I do think the budget limitations sometimes are frustrating because I think it's I don't know I wish they did a little bit more selling the zero G sometimes. Um, 
I agree. And the mag boots, like if you try and run in mag boots, right. they, they in the books they detail like this this concept of mag boots where they right. say one mag boot will not come off the ground until the other mag boot is on the deck. Right. And and, and fastened. So running in mag boots does not look like a run. No, it should look like a a, a, a speed walking. Yeah, and it should look weird. Yeah. Um, and they really don't do that. And, like, it'd be easy to have, like, when they're in the mag boots, like, the actors could just take care to act as if their arms are floating unless they're doing something with it, because that would, it would look weird, but it should look weird. It should look weird, yeah. Uh, and that's the one thing that's, but, but the fact that they sweat those details at all, mm-hmm. and the ship-to-ship combat, yeah. which is essentially these tin cans that are trying to punch holes in each other with high-speed <laughs> rail guns is terrifying. And they sometimes do to glorious effect. They're, yeah. Like, early in season one, that, that scene where they are holed up in the in the Donager and yeah. it gets shot through with yeah. a, a railgun round or something. It, t- it takes one dude's head takes off. takes the medic's head off. Right. And you can see his blood getting vacuumed out the, uh-huh. the hole through space. It's, Until they seal it, and then it still doesn't have gravity, so it's pooling up above right. his neck hole. Yeah. Uh, and then when the gravity comes back, it, it just, just splashes splatters down. down onto him. It's so good. They do. When they do decide to really sweat the details, it, like, it's, you get scenes like that. Yeah. But the space combat always just looks like, you know, you try to, you know, uh, you try to make yourself a small target as possible, try to mm-hmm. maneuver, and you try just to shred the other ship before it can shred you. But there's not explosions. It's mostly just like... You know, solid metal at a very high relative velocity is just ripping apart the other ship's superstructure, and it's super cool. Yeah, at least in uh, CQB, close quarters combat, yeah. as Alex loves to call it. Right. Uh, but when you're talking like the nukes, the torpedoes oh, yeah, that they shoot, sure. I mean, those are definitely long range and they, they explode. And, yeah. um, no, it, it's I, I do like the the hard science fiction. I even like yeah. the the one-off episode where they kind of sort of talked about how the Epstein drive was invented uh-huh. by some idiot. Like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> who, say the answers are entirely himself? satisfying yeah. I got, but, you know, the fact that there... I, I hope there's more world-building like that. I would love to see, like, like some, some vignettes from the first Martian colony and, like, what mm-hmm. is their... Because like, they're, they're, they're in the early stages of terraforming a planet. Like, what's that look like? And how... I, I would love to see flashbacks of those those other times or like i just the thing is really cool like some of the not like the fact that holden grew up in this weird hippie commune where like he has eight he parents. has, he has yeah. eight parents because they genet they all took pieces of their genetic code and like you know had this flower child i don't know it's yeah I, I like stuff like that i would love to see like you know what it was like worth for bobby growing up on mars and what her dad was like mm-hmm. and because they they make all these illusions just how fucking tough and frontiers like Mars is like because it's just as like rugged and independent as the American Old West, except for you know the planet itself is trying to kill you at all the, at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, really cool stories to be told there, and I wonder if they'll continue to kind of introduce some of that backstory or see like when the proto molecule was first discovered. Because by the time yeah. the show is starting, it's been uh, like it's been being worked on for like a decade. Like they, yeah. they found, they found a proto molecule like 10 years ago and have been kind of working on it ever since. Yeah. And I mean, we're just talking about like the least interesting of the factions. Yeah. Like when you go to the belters, yeah. then the whole show really opens up in my opinion, they have their own culture, their own language. Right. I mean, it's, it's just another world. And then there's a lot the of stuff that they don't tell you. Like the fact that they're like a lot of the belters have these weird neck tattoos and you can figure it out if you observe the older belters. They have this weird scar, and they make offhand comments about how, like, the first-generation EVA suits, the contacts uh, on the the helmet seals used to get – would, under some conditions, get red hot and physically scar you. And the younger mm-hmm. belters have these these tattoos that are, like, an homage to that as, like, a way to, like, brand them as a, as a, as a belter. Yeah. That's super interesting. Uh, um, yeah, and that's the stuff that like you you pretty much have to pour through the wiki, or maybe does the books go into that? Um, some of that uh, belter belter cult culture. I mean, yeah, they they mention it more explicitly, I guess. Yeah. They, they don't they don't quite do what the show does, where you just sort of immerse yourself and pick it up, right? Um, it, the books do a lot of that, but they also get into the details and yeah. tell you about it. Cool. Well, what uh, else do we want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's where the name of this podcast comes from, right? Beltalota right. means us belters, essentially, yep. Yep. which is all of the belters. Uh, 
I don't know. I like to think sometimes we're an outside in, voice. In, in contrast to the Inalotas. Yeah, yeah. I looked. I did well, a lot well, of looking up at Belta Creole uh, yeah, yeah. this morning. Well, Walla. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, there, there's, it's, it's interesting because they talked about all the different like cultures that kind of established a Belter culture. And there's a lot of like Eastern European, a lot of uh, Asian, a lot of like essentially... The second and third world countries of Earth is like, hey, we can't find work on Earth. We're going to go fuck off and risk our lives, you mm-hmm. know, and be immigrants out here. And all those languages had to figure out a way to live together and discuss and come up with, a, you know, a, a way to, like, talk about things in this, like, very uh, contained environment. And their Creole language is what is created. And I, I love that. It's it's a way to give that that culture a lot more it it reminds me a lot of like firefly where like they spice up everything with like chinese idioms and phrases and Uh reminds me a lot that where you could see you know the belters are having their own little belter conversation and then you know and 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 not even just like culturally they've changed but physically yeah like you mentioned the the stuff with the suits but then like they don't live under g for most of their lives or certainly not one g not even close to it whereas mars has like a Some third, G, right. yeah. Uh, so they end up with like elongated bones, and uh-huh. they they just grow very differently as human yeah. beings. I wish they could do more of that yeah. because outside of like some extras, like the, um, it's my understanding that all of the Belter people that weren't born on Earth should be tall and willowy. Yeah, and the, for the most part, the cast doesn't. They they look like Earthers because they are fucking Earthers. Mm-hmm. Like they've gotten some tall, skinny people in key scenes to kind of sell that. But I wish you're able to do that. Well, that's more. the thing about Miller. Miller has like this fucked up disc in his spine or something. Right from where the, I guess like he got cheap growth hormone drugs yeah, yeah, yeah. or so something to try and he's more normal. Yeah, to try and simulate gravity in his growth pattern because he's, so he's like he's middle class Belter, and, right? He's lived on the station all his life. Right, right, right. Um, but his parents were series. able to afford him to have like right. these surgeries to, you know. Yeah, so they've tried to make him look like an Earther, which has made him an outcast in right. his home world, which is And that's the cool up. thing, because they explore that, like, they're in this early in season two, they explore um, this this uh, Martian Marine unit mm-hmm. uh, with a Earth Im- a, a, a kid that came from Earth as an immigrant, and they're suspicious of him because he's like, yeah. you know, how could he? How could he be loyal to Mars? He's an Earther, and then there's a Martian defector that has the pride. Like, like there's like, and almost every single group there is like this outsider. That's a story that they like to play with. Like, how mm-hmm. is it? Like, uh, what's it like to be an outsider from all these different cultures, and what's it like to be finally accepted? And how? Like, what are the individual views? Like, that's something that they definitely like to play with, which I think is pretty fascinating. Yeah. And how does the treatment of those people affect how they feel about each other too? I mean, uh, can we talk about our favorite characters so far? Okay. Yeah, I've okay. got two that definitely stand out to me. All right. Uh, to go. Okay. Uh, first. Miller. Miller's just so good because he's so... The show is so self-aware about how silly of a character, mostly in his looks, that Miller is um, and how much of a shitbag he is for the most part. Right. But, I mean, he gets the job done. He's... He's less concerned with, like, enforcing the letter of the law and more concerned with keeping peace on the station. And I think that makes him a more interesting char- character than a typical, like, detective. And as Tom- you know, as, as depicted by Thomas Jane, he is probably the most high-profile star the show has. Arguably Cuddy from The Wire. Well, you, like, yeah, it's either... Maybe Fred Johnson is, which, is up there, Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Either, it's either Chad Coleman or it's uh, Thomas Jane. Everybody yeah. else is largely Oh, what about Jonathan Banks? Or... I forgot... Jonathan Banks is in episode. <laughs> Jonathan what, Banks has one? a very early, early cameo <laughs> of uh, that's that's very Jonathan Banks and very good. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't know. Jared Harris had a good run on that's Mad Men. True, but I'm still saying like he's Thomas Jane has now. been in Hollywood movies. You know, he's been the yeah. leading man of of Hollywood movies. That's fair. He was a Punisher, so I think right. He he takes the cake. And and the the, the character of Christian. Uh, Avasarla, Avasarla, something like that. Yeah. I think the actress to place her has had a pretty storied career, but she, you know, I don't know. I it's still like I'd, I'd have to say it's probably Thomas Jane or, or Dennis or Chad Coleman. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you like you like Miller. I like Miller, and I think a close second is probably Alex at this point. 
He's the he's maybe the most fun of the entire crew. Alex is super cool. Yeah. I like his ridiculous accent, and I, I, yeah, I kind of like, like how the books describe it, too. It's, is he from Texas? or? So this is the interesting thing. Apparently, I'm there's the like... the actor, because I was watching a lot oh, of cast okay. and crew, and like in two different ones, he was wearing some kind of Texas t-shirt. Uh, and he has like a fairly unaffected Central Texas accent, I think. It, it might be intentional for the show, because I know in, in the he, books, there is like... Uh, yeah. They explain that there is some region on Earth that has, like, adopted, for, for some political reason or cultural reason, I don't know, they were all jammed together, mm-hmm. and they kind of adopted either this Texas accent or or some other, like, slight variation on it, hmm. and he's from that area. So it might be affected for the show, or it could <laughs> just be that the character they, uh, that the actor they hired Tex for Arcana character has become a regional dominant force on Earth. and Yeah, no, it's... I forget the exact details on it, but there's it would a reason be, he has an accent. Like, if you told me that 200, 300 years in the future, like, a southern accent was dominant in space, it wouldn't surprise me because, like, all of our all of our, all of our launch facilities right. are in Florida and Texas. Yeah. You know, because they're the closest places <laughs> to the equator. I want to say that in in the expanse, the accent is affected. Like, intentionally affected really? by the people who live there interesting but don't quote me on that i'm not sure uh i so i like uh christian i think and we we we're very different because you really hate her i like her character Uh i don't like the the actress's delivery of most lines see i think like when she slips into like betty white profane grandma mode it's perfect <laughs> like when is, like yeah. my, my signal like in season two there's this where they're doing this like you know fact finding panel it's a joint martian earth the earther panel to try to figure out what the fuck happened on ganymede right uh, um and like the martian the head of the Martian detachment tries to cut her off in this 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 long winded questioning she's given as Martian Marine. She's like, with all due respect, Madam Secretary, where is this going? And she's like, wherever I goddamn like. And you hate. It. I think <laughs> I it's hate hilarious that delivery because she's like, what the fuck? There's no rules on what questions I can ask this Marine. Fuck off. <laughs> and then later on, when like Bob, like you know, they're in the shootout on Mao's ship. And, like, her and her, I forget the name of her. Cotillard, I think. Cotillard, yeah, 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 yeah. Of uh, uh, her fixer, um, who, like, there's another, there's, like, a lot of backstory that you just kind of have to, I'm sure they'll they'll fill out, that, that somehow he was complicit in the death of her son on some mission, and uh-huh. guilt of that allows her to just browbeat him throughout his career. But it's him and, and Bobby, the Martian Marine, trying to protect her, and he's been shot, and she's, she's like, you got to crawl through these ducks to get your, I don't know. And Power and armor, Bobby's yeah. like, oh, that's right. You would never survive the climb. You're too old. And she's like, she's like, Jesus Christ, not because I'm too old. It's because he's been shot. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I love it. I love how irritable and cranky uh, and fierce she is. Oh, I do too. I like the character. I think the character's great. I just don't know about the line delivery. Um, and then I'm a huge Amos fan. Yeah. I love that Amos could be the worst guy ever. Mm-hmm. Or he could be this like you know super loyal puppy dog character, and it's basically what leadership he's given. He reminds me yeah. a lot of Jane from Firefly, mm-hmm. and that he, because of his experiences, has a very ambiguous and flexible, flexible, and what I call practical moral code. That it's like I'm loyal to the people who are loyal to me, and that's about it. Yeah, but he's like probably the best fighter of the crew. And I think he's very funny because he doesn't have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, I think like Naomi and Holden are probably the most generic of the characters. Yeah. Um, the, the character archetypes that you see the most often and therefore not as interesting to me. Yeah. I I wish Holden was had a little bit more natural authority. Yeah. Because he, the way he displays his natural authority is he just kind of like gets a snarly face and he just talks like in a, a Christian Bale Batman voice. Uh-huh. And it seems to me like he's a, he's a kid posing. Yeah. Like I feel like he needs to be maybe 10, year, 10 years older. How, how is he in the books? Is he just like a, a Dudley, like a naive Dudley do right? Or. Uh, certainly people view him that way. 
Um, I think if you asked certain people, they would say, yeah, this kid does not get anything. Uh, but I mean, the books have very much the same opinion that you have of him in the show, yeah. Which is like he he is kind of seen by a lot of people as right. naive and foolish, right? Uh, but he is very uh, focused on his moral sense of right. Hmm. Uh, the other my favorite is Bobby Draper, the Martian Marine that kind of defects. Uh, when she f- realizes that Mars kind of sold her and her people out. Yeah. Uh, I find that she's just... Uh, first of all, I think she's just an awesome character. She's, like, I think in real life six foot tall, so she's... And I think that's part of her book character, too, that she's, like, this massive yep. Amazonian... Yeah, people look at her and they go, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, I liked how she kind of, like, casually dwarfs a lot of the cast, which uh-huh. is, like, like, a Brienne of Tarth effect, but she's there's also a lot of weird character moments, like... When she's invited to this like powwow between these people, there's like these cucumber sandwiches put out, and she just starts plowing into them. Uh-huh. Uh, is that in the book, or is that just something they like? I mean, things like a that Martian are in the book, probably yeah. doesn't have fresh cucumbers ever. Right. Like, so like, and she doesn't. She's also they're socially backwards. They don't have a lot of hierarchy, so yeah. she doesn't understand that. And her position as an attache, she shouldn't just be wolfing down sandwiches mm. in the background. But she does, and it's awesome. No, it's really good. Uh, I like Bobby a lot. It's it's funny because even, like, there's an encounter between Amos and her. And in the books, he's like, he takes one look at her. He's like, I'm not sure I could take her. Right. Which, <laughs> Which is probably the first person he's ever encountered that exactly, he feels that way about yeah. it. Uh, and there's a, later in that same episode where she's having this verbal showdown. She's unarmed. But she's Bobby, and she's got this like twerp where he's like, "If I take my hand off this button that locks you down and you can't go anywhere," and she's like, "Well, then I beat you to death with my bare hands." Uh-huh. And like they have this interesting like you know like settling of the hash. Like, okay, well, I guess you can walk past. But he's like, "Well, could you like rough me up and step and stuff me in the locker?" And she makes this expression is kind of like, "Yeah, I have time for that." Uh-huh. They never show the <laughs> aftermath of it, but like just the fact that she's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." I think is 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 really funny. I I I love her. I, she seems like she's controversial among book fans. Like there's really? a lot of people like think that she should be, I don't know, have the body of the Incredible Hulk, or she's like not as physically impressive. But I'm like, oh, I was. If you're casting a real life person, yes. that can depict a physically impressive person, and I think they even nailed the fact that she's a New Zealander. Is that in the books? She's a New Zealander. I think. Or so, from that Polynesian stock. Sounds right. Like, I mean, she's from what I can tell, the the actor is a is a boxer mm-hmm. and she's six foot tall and she like dwarfs over most Hollywood casting people. Like what like and she can act pretty well too. Like what fucking more do you want? Yeah, it's really tough for me to separate my idea of the book characters from the TV characters right. because I watched the TV show first. Right. So whenever I was seeing oh, yeah, and thinking happens. about the book characters, I thought in of there, yeah. that yeah. actress portraying Bobby. So I, I don't really know. I mean, to me, she is the the perfect quintessential Bobby Draper. Okay, good. So, good. But I said a lot of people are like, oh, she should look like a, like a female bodybuilder. I'm like, well, f- sure, go out to female bodybuilder competitions and find one mm-hmm. that can act. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I guess, the, yeah. Uh, but I'm actually really looking forward to the introduction of some of the characters that I have read about in the books because mm. that will kind of change it. That will that will make a character that I've read first kind of um, measure up, I guess, yeah. to to what I've read. And I'm I'm interested to see how they do with casting going forward. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, like, this show really surprised me because I thought I had a good handle on the kind of like the parameters of the show and what it's capable of. I'm like, okay, well, this is a, this is a good science fiction show. I'm not sure it can be great, but I honestly thought the really deep, uh, plays that they made late in the season with like the Santavar, what's his first name? Um, uh, the Santavar. Yeah. He's, uh, shoot. Earnright. Yeah. It's the name's oh, like yeah. Earnright Santavar yep. or maybe Santavar Earnright. Uh, the stuff that the, huh. the play he made where like the whole episode you think that he's gearing up to kill himself uh-huh. and then you find out that no in fact he has he's he's delivering the coup the 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 coup de gras against the his his uh, Martian opposition and he's consolidating power mm-hmm. while he's got and he's been playing chin uh, you know, Christian like a fiddle the whole episode like that really raised what i thought this show was capable of it raised yeah. the ceiling quite a bit because i'm like oh shit 
this could be like as good as anything else I've seen on television with the right script and direction. So at the very least, it shows you that's where their focus is. Yeah, um, they're not going to let the alien subplot get in the way. Yeah, that they can. I, I guess it's not a subplot. That's not fair. Yeah, the yeah. alien plot. They're not going to let that get in the way of the other stories. Right. I don't want tell. the proto molecule to infect a show. <laughs> yeah, I don't want everything to be blue and luminous and sparkly. <laughs> I, the other thing I heard uh, from the book is like that. The show consistently soft pedals how horrific the protomolecule is. Like, things are a lot more Cthulhu uh, and gross in the books. Slightly, yeah. Right. I mean, they I mean, talk, I, they I talk a lot, of, a lot about goo. Yeah. There's a lot of goo in the books. A lot of goo. Not so much in the show. I think things are pretty, fairly horrifying, though. They are, yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to be infected by a protomolecule just by from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know how much <laughs> eldritch horror we need in our, in our science fiction here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to season three. Yeah, yeah, me too. Between this and Westworld coming back this month, I am speaking so excited about television. television. Or spe- speaking of golden age of science fiction, we got like two of the best science fiction shows yep. of, in recent memory coming back within weeks of each other. It's going to be fun to see them uh, see them both uh, contemporaneously. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, we've got uh, the, we got the Belt of Loda podcast. We got watching Westworld. It's going to be coming out in two, in, uh, two weeks henceforth. Uh, and we but, are going to need feedback for that, right? So once you watch the episode, uh, we we usually release a podcast two days later, like you said on Friday. Yep. Send your feedback in for that episode between the time you watch it and the time we podcast, and yep. we'll probably read it. Expanse uh, at baldmove dot com. You can also there'll be a thread for each episode each week on our forums. Uh, forums.baldmove.com if you want to talk things over with our community of like-minded television crazy people uh, Uh, the the episodes drop on Twitter and stuff so if you want to follow us we never talk about our social accounts yeah Twitter at baldmove or Twitter at baldmove and also facebook.com slash baldmove Instagram at baldmove like it's it's baldmove everywhere and it's a new podcast so if you enjoyed this conversation uh, and you have access to iTunes go leave us a review on on iTunes that yeah. helps a lot with getting the podcast up in the charts and getting more people listening yeah uh, we really appreciate it and that's the thing like I hope we can shine a little bit of light on this show because it's criminal yeah. how few people watch this show. Yeah. Like I hope this is the year that everybody kind of gets behind this and everyone's been able to catch up on because like the first two seasons you can watch right now free if you have an Amazon Prime subscription. Uh I I hope this is the year that they really find their footing as far as an audience because it's it's just a, it's a damn shame that this show doesn't can't struggles to get even a million people to watch it each week. Yeah, I wish that they that Sci-Fi had seen the success of Battlestar mm-hmm. and said we need to roll right into another Sci-Fi series that's high right. quality and had gone right into this because I right. like the space between those two let a lot of people think sci-fi is just going to do shit. <laughs> it seems like they're trying to do a guerrilla marketing campaign where they yeah. like stunt cast Adam Savage so they can get some tested podcast love. They've got an official right. podcast where they have uh, interviews with the stars. They try they it looks like they're very invested on Reddit trying to build the community, but yeah, why isn't sci-fi treating this like the a, a, a flagship show that it is? Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope we can uh, uh, make a bunch of the Bald Move family curious to check it out because I it's 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 good. If you like science fiction, you should be watching it yesterday. But if you just like yeah. if if you just like good good political tight thrillers with lots of interesting characters and great and and really well filmed action, uh, it's right up your alley too. Mm-hmm. So check it out. We will be back next week with the first episode. Uh, well, well, the first episode of season three. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait. Uh, again, expanse at baldmove.com. Uh, until we see you next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.